it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Beauty pros, get ready to secure the bag, grow your business, start your own cosmetic line or hair care line, attract celebrity clients, and so much more. We're calling all hairstylists, makeup artists, estheticians, lash techs, nail techs, everyone in the beauty industry. The Business Beauty Network Virtual Summit will take place October 25th through the 27th. You don't want to miss this if you're in the beauty industry. As an industry, we want to maintain and grow our businesses beyond our craft. We have so many awesome workshops in store for you, live tutorials and raffles, prizes, awesome VIP, and so much more. This is a three-day event. You can get the tickets at eventbrite.com. All of the information will be in the show notes. We hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you, per the use. I had the pleasure of interviewing Tawana Tolliver. Tawana is a creative business coach and strategist. She has over 10 years of experience in the beauty industry as a beauty brand owner and an esthetician. She has a phenomenal story and she really shared with us her journey to where she is now in coaching women who want to get into the beauty business or start their own beauty brands. I think you're really going to be inspired by her story. And here's a little bit of Tawana's bio. Tawana Tolliver is a creative business coach and strategist. She is dedicated to providing ambitious, high-achieving women currently in corporate careers with practical strategies so that they can turn their creativity into a profitable long-term beauty business. Known for her straight-up, no-fluff coaching style, Tawana pushes women to break through their self-limiting beliefs and shows them how to step into their seemingly impossible dreams. Aspiring beauty mavens turn to her for advice from how to claim their piece of the multi-billion dollar industry to turning their creativity into cash. She leverages her 10 years of business and creative experience in the beauty and corporate sector to ensure that her clients achieve the results they want, even if she has to drag them kicking and screaming into the best versions of themselves. You can find out more about Tawana at TawanaOliver.com. I'll have all of her information in the show notes. And here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor. And we have an awesome guest today, Tawana Tolliver. Welcome, Tawana. Hi, Brandi. How you doing, girl? Awesome, awesome. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Me too. Yeah, so let's, let's start off with like a fun fact. I like to start off with something... Fun. So tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Ah, oh gosh. I I don't know. I like to think of myself as an open you know what? (laughs) I'm a grandmother. (laughs) Really? Yes, I have two older stepdaughters. And um they make me a really young grandmother. And so yeah, I have a couple of grandkids. <laughs> and awesome. sometimes I don't like to admit that, but they're so adorable. They're so sweet. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is it like being grandma? Do you spoil them or do you let them call you grandma? I Okay, absolutely not. They cannot call me grandma. And, I don't, and unfortunately, I don't see them as much as I should. Um, but... Um, no, I do not let them. It's a, it's, it's an ongoing joke of my husband and I, he's, you know, they call him grandpa and I was, and they were like, well, this, you know, this is your grandmama. I'm like, oh, they could call <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And so my, my daughter, my oldest daughter who doesn't have any children and she's like coming up with names, like when she does have her kids and I'm like, well you know, my kids call my mother Gigi. And so I can't take that. So I need to figure out, y'all can help me come up with a name that these kids can call me because it definitely ain't going to be Nana. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I always crack up with people are always trying to come up with names so they don't have to be called grandma. So that is always <laughs> funny. <laughs> I know, it is so sad because it's really an awesome rite of passage and building what I'm all about, building legacy and so forth. But I'm like, oh, 
don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely get it. Well, that's super cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, Tawana, tell us, share your beauty story uh, with us. So, yeah, I was the ultimate beauty junkie growing up. You know, I grew up in Harlem, New York. And like everybody on the block, we didn't have much. I actually called my my neighborhood the woman of Brewster Place. When I seen the movie, I was like, did they take that from our neighborhood? It's just (laughs) a bunch of like single women with kids just relying on one another. And every kid had was into something, you know, and I was the kid that the ultimate creative. And one of my things was beauty. And it was this little, it was no writing and stuff back then. It was like the little local pharmacy and I would go to the pharmacy and buy all these products and mix them up myself because I was like if it was an ingredient in this one that I liked and an ingredient so for, for years I did that even when I moved out my house my mother was like gosh I miss she was I was like you miss me she was like yeah I miss all those products you used to have I would just go in your room and use you I was like oh that's what you miss so it's you know fast forward years later how I ended up in corporate I have no idea to this day I'm still I'm working through that in therapy but I ended up in and then not only did I end up in corporate but I ended up in like the most mundane, boring industry, which was insurance and finance. And so as a creative outlet, I started a beauty company. Like I woke up one day, I was like, gosh, I really, like, I need to do something. I'm bored out of my mind. And it, Whole Foods had just opened and I'm in Whole Foods again, playing with beauty products. And I came across this book, How to Make Your Own Beauty Products. And I read this book from in the beginning to end, like in a day, and literally just started doing all of this research. And trying to figure this out. This is like 2003 and there was nothing. This was like the beginning of everything. Social media. And I'm just like, oh, what's happening? So I ordered like my first like pail. It was like a pail of shea butter from Africa. And I had to pay all of these fees. And the person that delivered it was like, what in the world is this? And just started, I bought a mixer and I'm literally like in the house, like making stuff. And the only, the only company that I had to like look at was like Carol's daughter. And she was blowing up and that's when like Jada and all of them was taking over. And I'm like, oh, you know, how did she get all of these ingredients? And I, I had no, no resource. And I just had to just find all of these resources myself. And I did. And I figured it out and started coming up with stuff and making things. I remember the first day it was like Frankenstein in my house. The first time like I made an emulsion and I was like, oh my God. I had given it to friends and they were like, oh, I like this stuff. So what was the first product you created? The first product I created was called Tropical Butter. And I I have a sensitivity to like um, fragrance, high fragrance stuff. Like if I'm sitting on the train, somebody pull out that, uh, you know, that stuff, that berry butter and all that, you know, all that stuff that's like really like just fragrance. Oh my God, drives me nuts. Like my kids, when they used to use it. And so there was nothing that I can find that had like natural, pure essential oils, which I love. And so I was like, oh, I need to make body butters with just real natural essential oils in it. So I had mixed together all of these like different scented body butters and then just used like vanilla and different kind of essential oils and, um, and came up with this butter that smelled so good and I started giving they were like oh my gosh I like this girl and I was like no I'm gonna turn this into a business and there was this um event company in New York that would have vendors come and they would do these huge shows every year called Shecky's they're no longer around and I was like I'm gonna do Shecky's I was not prepared I barely had labels I was making all this stuff myself. Stuff was falling out. So I was like, okay, I'm still going to sell it. I had all my friends say, y'all meet me there and y'all going to help me. And when customers were coming, I was like, this is handmade. I was like, that's why the jaws look like this. That's why it's spilling over. I just made it. It's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I have pictures with me just like, and my friends like, yo, you are, you, can re- you are a good salesman. I was like, this is, just imagine, this was not sitting on nobody's shelf. I literally just made this girl. It's fresh. And I'm slathering on their on body and I'm rubbing them down. They was like, oh, I like this. So, you know, that was my story. And then, you know, as I started to really dive into the business side of it um, and really meet people in the industry, I joined like cosmetic executive women. This was the start of like the Tory Birch Foundation and she was doing mentorship and I would go to her events 
And, you know, I met Bobby Brown. I was just like really getting immersed in the business side. I decided, I was like, I need to learn more. And I went to Aveda and became a licensed esthetician. I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And I did all of this alongside my corporate job wow. for like 10 years. And then the 10th year, I like, I'm on a cusp because like I met Bobby Brown. She started following me on Instagram and she, you know, was giving me advice. And then I woke up at the same day, the same way I woke up and was like, I'm going to start this. I woke up one morning and was like, I'm done. And my husband was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I don't know, but something is wrong. And it took years for me to realize that I was literally just burnt out. I was so exhausted. Be, interesting. <laughs> so be, before you get to the burnout, like share a little bit um, in between, like, was it a successful product for you? Did you have multiple products? How was the company going during this it was, span? Yeah, it was highly successful. I found the manufacturer after all of this research and a lot of uh, money wasted because I found, one re- I found one manufacturer who went out of business. And then I found another manufacturer who was great, who was a great partner, it was a small company in Texas. And she really worked with me and taught me so much about the industry and the business. And I decided to, although the tropical butter was my first butter, I decided not to make that one of the products that I put on my website um, because it, it was actually really expensive to make. It had a lot of butters in it. Um, and so I came up with these other body butters and one of them, which my friend called me not too long ago. She was like, I'm in Sephora and, and Rihanna sold your product. I was like, girl, no, she didn't. But I came up with this bronze butter that I named Soltress. And it was a, a body butter that was in this pretty like a bottle instead of being in a jar. And it had tint in it. And this was like 2003. Nobody was really doing this that I knew of. And um, that became actually my biggest seller. And it's one of the lessons that I like to teach people like the, the power of one. And I didn't know that back then. And that's why I got burnt out because I had, I ended up having like almost 10 SKUs. Mm-hmm. It was so much work and I didn't have the confidence to quit my job, which I probably should have because I was actually making enough money to do so. I also didn't have the uh, forethought to say to one you need help. You know, I was still running on that strong black woman thing. And I was like, no, I can do this. Nobody's going to be able to do this better than me. Like I would have my friends come help me at events. But even Mm -hmm. then, I I, you know, I would micromanage them. And they were like, girl, listen. (laughs) So you said some key things to water. I want to talk about that. So you had 10 SKUs, right? And you said that was very overwhelming. It was a lot for you. So break that down because I know a lot of times, you know, I talk to people who are interested in starting product lines and they think they need to start with 10 or 15 or 20 products in order to be a valid line. Like they don't think it would be valid. They only start with one or two things when I usually recommend to do so. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit about your experience with starting with so many products and what type of issues that can cause. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so, it's such an issue. It's, I talk about it all the time. It's one, it's costly. It's going to cost you more money. Is you're going to need more money to develop each individual product. You're going to need more money for the labels, for the packaging, marketing, shipping, everything. It's so much more work and so much more, um, cost-effective, not cost-effective rather, it's more cost-effective to actually start with one signature product. And this is something that I did not realize at the time. And it would have saved me so much time, money, and energy if I would have just, that that bronze butter literally could have probably made me a million dollars. I did not need all of the other. And then I got into soaps, which were also amazing. And I could have literally just sold the soaps. Like the soaps were just so phenomenal, flying off you know, the shelf, uh, which is my kitchen shelf rather. <laughs> and it was, you know, but it, it was a lot of work and I was one woman. I was one, I didn't have a team. I didn't have a warehouse. I had a manufacturer. And then I, it's crazy because I, I reached the level where my manufacturer was sending shipping out to me every, every couple of weeks, but there was a level that I needed to reach for that company to actually be, the shipper. So if you ordered from my site, 
they were shipped directly. And I was, I was about to reach that level, but I, I didn't reach that level. I had to, it had to have a certain amount of um, sales for them to do that. And so they, I was in charge of the shipping, which was also like, nobody thinks about that. Like who was the sit? Of course I want sales, but honey, going to the post office, UPS, I'm like, oh my God. And then I had this, again, just, I wanted to be over promise. And I was like, oh, free shipping. And, you know, or I mean, I think I charged like $3 or $5 to ship. It was just, it was just so much. And I talk about this all the time about the power of one. And the more research I did after the fact, you know, I started to find these brands where they literally had the signature product before they even, even attempted to come out with something else. And it's recently at a cosmetic executive women event, I met Sarah Happ and she's like the main, you know, she came up with that, that lip scrub she had that lip scrub for years before she had anything else. Mm -hmm. And yeah, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, just just like you you uh, mentioned Bobby Brown. She started off with one lipstick. Yes, yes she did. Mm -hmm. that one lipstick. And yep. it, people, and I know, and, and as a creative, you have, and the thing is, it wasn't that I couldn't keep formulating. I could have kept formulating, but I didn't have to introduce it. So I could have just waited to the right time to introduce all of that. And I just say all of this because, you know, at the time there was, there was not anyone, there was no me or you to help us, you know, beauty, aspiring beauty entrepreneurs navigate this industry. You know, people see beauty as almost like um, acting and singing. It seems so glamorous and they don't see the behind the scenes. Like they just see the pretty influences. They see the unboxing and all that stuff. But it is so much work. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a lucrative industry. It is very lucrative. Um, but it's so much work It's depending on who you talk to. Some people may say it's oversaturated. I say it's a lot of opportunity for sophistication. I love that. A lot of opportunity for sophistication. Yeah. I, li I, I like that. As, yeah. I don't see it as oversaturated every day. I come up with an idea like, Oh, this has not been, this has not been done. Oh, this could be done better. Mm -hmm. There are so many, and especially as black women, you know, one of the things too that I'm so eager to, to talk about is for us to expand the scope of beauty when it comes to us. Like I get that we have, we have, we got the natural hair care market down packed and nothing <laughs> against people who want to do, but let, honey, that's why I love B. Dixon because honey pad, come on. Like she is so, and I was on a conference call with her and some other founders uh, not too long ago. And she told her story. She is so phenomenal. And I just want other women, especially other black women to realize that you can go out of outside the scope of natural hair care. Exactly. You know, we have enough natural hair care, enough edge controls. Let's cool. get a little bit more creative, right? Yes, I yes. absolutely agree with you there because everyone wants to do that, but there's not enough, um, skincare lines for our you know yes, type of skin absolutely. there's not enough skincare brands. not enough skincare because we have this and also too that's why i started you know you know my podcast about mindset because we have these like these limiting beliefs and these weird mindset you know like oh nobody black women are not gonna buy skincare because black don't crack wrong <laughs> we still need to take care of our skin we for still sure. need to take care of our skin and we may not crack but we age differently right so there needs to be things on the market for hyperpigmentation Mm -hmm. and puffiness and things of that nature so we do age but we just we do age differently we may not need a lot of firming stuff but there are things that we do need um there there's so much opportunity in in the feminine care you know honeypot proved that, that there's so yes. much opportunity there you know we have different issues with fibroids and different things so there's so much opportunity and if you do want to stick with hair you know there are women who still relax and perm their hair and it's hard for them to find stuff now because everything is for natural hair 
That is interesting how it's come full circle because I remember when I first went natural, I couldn't find things for exactly. my hair. And now, you know, everyone caters to natural hair and that is absolutely true. And there are still women who are relaxing. It's okay to be relaxed. Yeah, it's because it's absolutely. a choice. It's a, it's choice. a choice. It's, what, it's your hair. It's what you decide to do. Yeah, I'm not and a natural so, gangster, so. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm not either. I'm not either. Because I will never say that I will never relax in the gig because you just never oh. know. what oh, you, never you know, know, you please. never know. Girl, never. Never say yeah. never because you never know. But you yeah. know what I wanted to touch on, Tawana? Mm -hmm. Like, you talked about something. You were saying how you got you grew your business. It was going well, but it got overwhelming. And it, you, it was a one, you know, woman show. So it was just you. And you, you should probably should have quit your job, but you didn't do that. And you talked about mindset. And I really want you to dive into that because I think a lot of people struggle with that because we think we can do it all on our own. And we think we don't need other people. But in order to scale and grow your business, you can't do it by yourself. You can't scale by yourself. No. And I think a lot of us fail to realize that even though, you know, I may be your baby and you may be, you know, the chief everything officer that's ever, that's able to do so many great things with your business yeah. but in order to grow and scale that thing you have to hire people you have to source out different things and so let's talk about like what, what do you think was going on with your mindset that kept you at that job and kept you from really just going full force into your business and really growing it on you know on a different and bigger level yeah i can tell you right now yeah it trauma was my business model period. You know, I was this, you know, the oldest of three uh, growing up and it was just like, okay, I'm going to do things differently than what I've seen other people in my neighborhood do. And I have to, and the way I do that is by working. Um, there was no nap ministry back then, you know, to advocate for rest. And it was just like, oh, I need to grind. I need to hustle. I need to work. I will rest when I, when I'm dead. And, um, I, I have to do this. Oh, why can't I work, you know, my day job and do this on the side? You know, I, that was my business model was deeply, I did business for my wounds. It was deeply embedded all that trauma in my business. And I, that's the way I operated. As simple as that, that's the way I operated. And uh, I didn't um, ask for help because I'm a black woman. We don't need help. Mm -hmm. I, I don't need help. What? I don't need team. No. Mm -mm. I can. I got it. this. I got this. That's <laughs> all. No. Uh. Uh. No. I don't need. Uh. Uh. You know. So I. That's the. That was my mindset. My mindset was no. I can do this. And then I also, as much as I. It was crazy. I did have a thing against, you know, I, the risk aversion. I was just like, oh no, I, you know, I quit my job. Mm -mm. No, nope, I'm not doing that because what if this doesn't work? Mm -hmm. You know, and somebody that is deeply um, into faith and a believer, but I wasn't trusting, obviously. And, um, so those were like two big issues that I had. And as, and as much as when I had uh, my corporate job and couldn't stand micromanagement, I was one of those people, you know, I was this type A and I was just like, well, who's going to do this better than me? And then also the whole idea of like, well, if I have help, then that means I have to give people my formulas. Oh, no, I ain't doing that. I'm not giving. And, you know, the manufacturer, of course, had my formulas, but you know that we signed NDAs and agreements, not realizing, oh, I can sign that with somebody that I hired. Duh. So it was it's so much, you know, as black women, we're not as trusting. Mm -hmm. There's so many mindset issues. We're not, you know, we're not as as risk averse. We're, you know, we this whole strong black woman syndrome. We can't rest. We can do it all. And you know, not only did I have a full time job, but I had two kids and a husband. And family and I'm running to all of these networking events I'm doing all these shows I'm staying up at night doing stuff and in my mind it was like oh my kids see me working it was like no they see their mother they see their mother working and grinding and they see their mother like um inventing something and I thought you know that's amazing you know that's but 
it would have been even more amazing if they would have seen their mother build a team, hire people, and allow their mother's gift to be shared. Because mm -hmm. what I recently realized is that, yeah, we all have gifts, but your gifts, these gifts need, you can't always fulfill your gifts alone because you have to be able to let other people help you because that may be their gift. And it's so crazy that I didn't put that together because what I was in corporate was an executive assistant and I was instrumental in the success of the people that I was working for. Mm -hmm. So I used my gift to help them with their gift. So, you know, when I was working 2003, when I started, I was working for this like really highly intelligent um, lawyer if, and he was doing finance and wealth management and he was highly successful, but he, um, he was so, you know, as you ever heard the expression too smart for your own good. And he really wasn't a people person. It was so hard for him to close the sale. And I would help him with that. And he just, he didn't understand. Like I, he was, he would give to do these big presentations for his clients and they would be half asleep. And I would come in and say a joke and help them. And he'll just look at me like, Oh, and, you know, I would talk to his clients. And so I was able, you know, I had that gift that he didn't have and I helped him and I didn't realize that I had a gift and I needed help as well. Mm -hmm. years to realize that and so yeah it's um it's a, my story is a cautionary tale and when I decided and you know I kind of fell into coaching um because people would always reach out to me ask me you know well how did you do this can you help me with that and that's how I started coaching and I decided recently not uh, early this year to niche down and really work you know at first I was working with uh, creative women who wanted to start creative businesses. And I started to niche down and say, you know, I really want to work with aspiring beauty entrepreneurs. It's, it's my bag. <laughs> it's what I know. Uh -huh. And, um, and when I made that decision, it was easy because I said, you know what, I'm the person that I wish I had back in 2003. Right. Yeah. And I absolutely get it because I understand what it's like you know, to run a business and to try to be that strong black woman that can do it all yourself. Um, I did, I did that very same thing. Even when I started my events uh, for the business side of beauty, I started the Detroit Business and Beauty Expo. I did the first year, everything myself, the marketing, oh the promotions. I went and spoke at beauty schools. I did everything myself. And that's how I packed out the building. But I realized like, I think year two, I almost like, had a nervous breakdown. Yes. Because there were so many people pulling on me. This thing had grew beyond the scope in which I could handle it, right? So there's hundreds of people and people want to ask me questions. People want to connect with me. And it was really hard to navigate all of that myself. And it was very draining, okay? And so I really realized, I was like, you know what? I can no longer do this. And so the third year was when I hired a full team. I had an assistant for the day of the event, you know, to answer those questions that people think are important, but to a person that got like 25, 30 people coming at her and people calling and texting me and I got vendors and all types of things to deal with. Those questions are not important to me right now. So I hired someone who could help me handle that in. I had, you know, hired out photographers, you know, videographers and all types of things. And I really realized during the expo that, I could, I had to really budget in when I looked at my expenses and my costs and all of that, I had to, you know, take into account what I would need to hire out, you know, what I would need to pay people for different things. I had to pay people to do my uh, registration. And I also had to pay people, like I said, to assist me on a day of just to handle those questions and any issues that may come up and bring in. So that only one person is bringing everything to me and not, you know, a hundred different people. Wasn't that <laughs> right? so refreshing? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I could just only, I, you know, recently last year I hired, cause I'm, I'm in this, um, uh, business community and the head of it is ahead of it he said you know you need to hire people you need to you need to hire a team and you don't know you can't afford to hire until you you afford to hire like you gotta hire so I said okay I'm gonna start so I'm gonna hire a virtual assistant I hired a virtual assistant and this is when I was completing my course and I was like well what can I give her and I was like well can you do the slides for my course he said, sure. She put them slides together. I was like, oh, okay. This is, oh, this is what, and I'm like, 
I have been in EA for 15 years. I didn't realize I was really taking stuff over people's play. Oh, I've been instrumental. Oh, I've been <laughs> right, <laughs> oh, right. I could not believe that girl helped me out so much. I'm like, oh, so now I'm like, okay, when I have graphics, I have, I have a young lady that does graphics for me. I was like, sitting here in Canva, I ain't doing none of that. I hired, now <laughs> I have no problem. I was like, if I'll find some money to, to hire somebody to help me do. And it's the complete opposite of, of Tawana from 10 years ago. Like, Tawana, like, I, let me figure that out. And you know, I'm, and then that's how, you know, I, I was able to gain all these skills because I was sitting here doing all this stuff myself, like teaching myself Photoshop and all that. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I don't, got time for, I don't, I don't want to learn nothing else. Exactly. I get you. And, and I, I absolutely understand what it's like to have to, in the beginning, do a lot of yes, things always, yourself. In the beginning, yes. In the beginning. But if you want to grow, you're going to have to definitely hire people and I think it is hard for black women because that whole strong black woman thing but you know what I'm a strong black woman but I don't have to be strong all the time and I and and it's okay to ask for help you know and I think I'm glad you shared your story because I know there's a lot of people who think like I can't afford to hire anybody well you can't afford not to I was talking to a friend of mine who's a coach and she doesn't want to send the schools may be opening back, but she doesn't want to send her kids back. She doesn't feel safe, which is understandable. So now she's like, these kids are going to be at home and there's three of them under 10. What am I going to do? And I'm like, well, you may need to hire a nanny. You're like, you may need to hire someone to help with meals, to assist the kids because you're a full-time entrepreneur. And in order for you to keep running your business on the level that you're running it on and to be a good mother, you know, you may need to hire that help and it's okay. And that's worth the investment. Cause just imagine someone coming coming in before the five hours a day dealing with the children and you're able to still work on your business. Oh, Sometimes we have to make those decisions because if you want to run a successful business, it's going to be kind of hard having little kids running around swinging off of chandeliers, oh, right? definitely. I mean, I wish, again, that was something else I should have done. I'm running around, have to go and go into these networking events and, you know, before do, before going to the networking event, picking my kids up first and taking them home and then going back out. Why could I just hire somebody and pick them up? Definitely. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Sometimes, you know, we have to think smarter, not harder. Like I started, I remember, you know, I would have to utilize aftercare and things like that and uh, put my daughter, pay to put my daughter in different programs, whatever, you know, would help her. It would help advance her, but it also would help me sometime as a mother. But we have to learn how to hire out and delegate. Like a lot of times we have trouble delegating. Well, by the time I explained to her how to do everything that I do, I could have did it myself. Nope. Because if you actually record your whole process yep. and you get it all down and you do it a great job at it one time you can have a system in place you can explain it to them at one time and you have things in place if they need help or get stuck and then you don't have to keep doing it Re- eventually they will get it yes, and eventually will. it'll get easier for you and they can handle some of those tasks and take some of those little small minor tasks that you don't as the ceo of the company you don't need to be handling need to be doing yes absolutely. definitely so i think that is interesting so now let's get back to it. You got to the point you you're running a successful business. You're doing good, but you actually like so, so you actually success yourself out of the business. You know what I mean by that? Like oh, some I people did. get that. Yeah, some people get so successful that it's overwhelming for what in which they can handle it. Yep. And so you're either going to have to make a huge investment and hire a bunch of people, or you're just going to quit. And that's what happens when you're trying to do everything yourself. So let's talk about that 10 year mark when you woke up and said, I can't do this by myself anymore. Yeah. I, can't. I was exhausted. I was about 300 plus pounds overweight, eating myself to just numb all up because I was just tired. I was like running off of like cupcakes and uh, adrenaline and I was just, I was exhausted. I was just, I, as no other, I was so tired. And I remember telling people and they were like, what do you mean you crap? I was like, yeah, I'm shutting down the website. I made, you know, I'm going to sell my formulas to the manufacturer. And they were like, what? And I was just, I was done. I was just, and it was, I didn't even, the people were trying to talk me out of it. And it was nothing that anyone can say. It was it's because I, I had reached the point of pure, utter exhaustion. And I was so tight. And then when I gave it up, I felt so relieved. 
And it wasn't until, and I didn't, and I, I didn't mourn it because I was so exhausted and I gave it up. I, and so maybe about five years later to mourn. And I was like, oh God, what do you do? <laughs> Like, wow. So it was five yeah. years before you actually really felt the effects yeah. of yeah. Like oh wow. Years. And that's when I started and it wasn't and that was when I started coaching. And that's when I started being coached and I, I, I hired a coach and I was part of like a business incubator. And that's when I realized that wow, you know, I I I I never mourned this business, the loss of this business. I never um I never went back and reflected on what happened. And I had to do that. And it was hard. And I, it was so, and, and I did it so abruptly and so wrong to the fact that, you know, the manufacturer still had labels of mine that I never got back. And I reached out like five years later. She was like, girl, I don't know what them labels. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was just, it, I just, it was, it's, that's why my story is a cautionary tale. It's just, this is what happens when, and people, you know, a lot of people are scared of, are afraid of failure but a lot of people are afraid of success because success is a lot of work and success is consistency and, and success means hiring help. And um, that is all of the things that, um, that I struggled with and I had to learn the hard way. So when it was time for me to mourn and reflect on this business, that's why I said, oh my God, what, what? And then when it was time for me to coach, I was like, you know, am I the right person? Can I really help people, you know? I, yeah, the business was successful, but I quit. And, I was, and, and my coach said, oh my God, you are the perfect person to coach someone and tell them your story. This is, people need to hear this because what they hear now is like, oh, I started a business. I made a million dollars in three months. And you know, they, they do not know the ins and outs of what goes behind the scenes and what happens. And then they also, which is the reason why I started the podcast, the emotional uh, toll that being an entrepreneur takes. And that's why I do all these episodes on mindset. And I challenge every week, I challenge a different mindset. You know, I had a VIP client. I have a client, you know, I coach and then sometimes I do VIP days. If, if I feel somebody's not coachable yet, they're not there. And I had this, this wonderful conversation with this woman and we, um, I said, you know what, let's do a VIP day. And, and I really, my intuition was right. And she, she was wicked smart. She had, she was not in beauty, um, but, where I'm breaking down how she's doing business. And it was just so convoluted how she was trying to get sales. And I, and I said, well, why would you, she had, a, she literally had this full fledged course, but she was going in doing workshops and had to deal with principals who really, you know, and I was like, well, why don't you do the course and, and what's going on? And she was like, oh, well, you know, I'm a black woman. I, that's too easy. Again, her trauma was her business model. And I'm like, oh no. God. Oh, wow. And I had to sit there and tell her my story. And tell her, no, no, you, this is, no. Mm -mm. And she realized, she snapped out of it and she just realized, oh. And I was like, you, I said, first of all, you did all of this work on this course. This course was like amazing. And I was like, you doing all of this? I said, the, the, what you're doing now, you're not even reaching the people you should be reaching. So you're not even really sharing your gift with the people that you should be sharing it with. Wow. And so it's, and, and I see it all the time. And so that's why I love coaching women um, and decided to niche down because I can imagine how many women who want to start beauty brands are taking this weird, the long route and just doing all the stuff that they don't need to be doing. And, you know, my main message again is about the, the power of one, come up with one signature product, get a cult following because it's possible and you know make sure that that one product is nailed down you learn everything from it before you move on you can keep you can keep formulating you can keep coming up with stuff but you will not bring that product to market now if you're working with me because we <laughs> want to make sure that one product that you got is going to make you all the money get you all of the media attention get you you know help you hone in your message and your marketing on that one product before you move on matter of fact your clientele, your audience, your, your buyers, they're going to tell you what your next product is going to be. That's mm -hmm. how amazing the first one is going to be. You know, because I'm sure Sarah Hatt, when she came with that lip scrub, I'm sure people were like, oh my God, I wish we had a moisturizer after that. <laughs> right. I'm sure, you know, I didn't talk to her, but I'm sure that was it. 
right? Like, so I can, so let them tell you, you know, and, and now we have social media at the time, you know, it was the beginning of social media when I was doing it, but yeah, they're brands that literally are being built on their followers. So you let them tell you what your next product is going to be, but you start with that signature one and you just, you run with that. And so that is, you know, that's my story in a nutshell. That's what I that's, that's some great advice. That's definitely some great advice. So since you've been, since you've shifted to coaching, you've been working with beauty professionals, you know, or women who are looking to start their own lines and beauty brands and different things of that nature. What are, in addition to them, you know, you really narrowing down that you need to start with the one thing. What are some other areas that you find that, um, they need help in and you've been able to coach them on? Oh, definitely when it comes to manufacturing. So it's so crazy. So the, the problem that I had in 2003 that there, I didn't have, a, there wasn't enough information. Now there's too much information. Yes, and it's possible. There is too much information. You can put in, in a Google search, cosmetic manufacturer. What the? Okay, who do I pick? What's going on? What? There are, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of cosmetic manufacturers. There's, you can go that route. You can hire a chemist. There are so many um, different ways that you can launch this beauty brand. And so working with these women, it's like, well, what is the best way for you? Well, how much money do you have? You know, there is this, um, you know, this whole consensus that you need, you know, a million dollars to start a brand. You know, there was a whole forum a whole a uh, couple of months ago on one of the uh, beauty forums about how much money is needed to start a brand. You know, it used to be that beauty was a low barrier to entry that you can start off in your house handmade. And I think you still can. Um, indie brands are definitely proving that. Um, but when you get out of that, again, the scope of natural hair care. So when you get out of just doing emulsions and oils and you want to start doing maybe things in feminine, you know, feminine products and stuff, you're going to probably need a, a cosmetic chemist and you're going to need a manufacturer. So that is where, you know, I'm able to help and say just from, you know, my experience and me still being um, heavily involved in the industry, you know, I can help them navigate that and who's the right ones because there, there are so many cosmetic manufacturers, a lot of them um, are going out of business and you wouldn't even know it. Like they're like hanging on by a string and trying to get their next person to sign on to help save them. And the next thing you know, that's what happened to me. And the next thing they go out of business and you're like, what the heck? And you're, wow. stuck. you're stuck. So there's so many horror stories about that. And depending on what you want, um, how, um, your values are like if you want to do conscious beauty, if you want to do clean beauty, you know, you got to have a cosmetic chem uh, chemist that you know aligns with your values. You know, mm -hmm. you don't want to use parabens, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, all of this, there's so many variables, and you know, I help them, you know, navigate that. That's awesome. So, we already, you know, narrowed down like, you know, you, you, you have your clients focus on the one thing, then you figure out, okay, the manufacturing route, the cosmetic chemist route. What about private labeling? Is that something you would recommend as well? Or how do you feel about that? <sighs> yeah, private labeling is a great way to get in the industry and to get your, you know, your, your feet wet in the industry. But um, it all depends because if you, to me, if you are highly creative and you have this idea to manufacture something, um, private labeling has all of these uh, uh, restrictions to you doing that. You know, you may, you definitely may be able to change things up. You know, so if you have like a base and then you can add your own things to it, but um, it all depends. You know, I'm fine. You know, I definitely have some expertise in private labeling and I know a lot of the cosmetic uh, manufacturers that I do know do both. Um, and it's definitely a way, I think it's a way to learn. It's a way to teach yourself um, about in different ingredients. And so that's a good, that's a good start. But again, it's still, some people think it's easy. It's easier, um, but it's not always. It's not always because once you start to grow, what people don't realize about beauty is almost like when people realize that sunglasses are made all in the same uh, warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> and they just put a different name. So sometimes that happens with private labeling. 
you know, it's like, oh, how do, you know, this is, what's the phrase got the same product and we just got a different, you know, I use a different fragrance than she does. I mean, you see that with a lot of the legacy beauty brands and I was really cognizant of that and I, I did not want that. So um, I definitely will not deter um, any of my clients away from private labeling if that's what they want to do. But I think if you really want to build a legacy brand, you should definitely um, have the, the creative spark to manufacture and come up with your own formulation. Yeah, I can see benefits to both, you know, yeah. sites, you know, just depending on what's going to work for you, because I, it was a time where I didn't even realize that you could actually add in something different. Yes, so maybe if it's a, if, if it is like a cream or something, and I add a few different oils or something different from what normally come with it, that does actually make it my yes. own custom blend. And that's an easier way it is a little bit easier to enter in because usually the minimums are, you know, lower. Yeah, it's more cost-effective. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely more cost-effective. But again, you still have to do your research with the company because if that company goes out of business or yes. they stop, and depending on what's in that base, um, too, there, there was, um, I know there were issues where certain bases at a manufacturer was, um, you know, especially when it comes to using exotic products, and then it can, you can't, you can't, they can't source that ingredient anymore. And then that changes your whole formulation. So you, sometimes you have to, you have to be careful. Those are like variables that you have to think about. Those are things that you, and that can even happen with your own, your own stuff. You know, you, you manufacture your own stuff. I and mean, a lot of people love all the exotic ingredients and all the exotic butters. And, and again, and then you, you want to be conscious and then you're like, okay, how's this source? Are we like robbing folks? Are we like, you know, who it, well, how are you sourcing certain ingredients? You know, how are we, you know, how are we, are we just stamping on people's, you know, land? Is it hard? Are, are they getting, is it fair trade? Are they, you know, mm -hmm. is it, you know, equal and great wages and so forth? So there's a lot of things to think about, you know, when you, you know, you start a brand and, um, especially if you're in it for the long haul, you know, that's one of the things that I talk about in the beginning is your why, you know, do you just want a small and mom and pop shop and that's totally fine. Or you really want to build a legacy brand. Do you want to be acquired? You know, do you want, and I know that's a huge sticking point, especially like with black owned beauty brands, you know, people get in an uproar when it's sold by the larger brands. Um, but it's business. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you know, that's, it's business and that is how you scale. It's how you scale and that's how you're able to do other things. So I, I, I always, I know people like they go and say, Oh no, they're not old. They're not. Listen, it's business. <laughs> right. Cause give yeah. me, some, give me some millions. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> business right it's, it's you know at the end of the day yes you want to you want to be conscious you want you know you want to build a legacy but at the end of the day it is a business and that's another thing that I think too that black women they struggle with it's like okay you know like yes I you know I want to keep this it has to be black owned and it has to but at the end of the day you're in business yes you're in business to help and to solve a problem and secondly you're in business to make money and I yeah. know sometimes there's guilt around that and of course, it's okay to make money. Of course, you do it with integrity, of course, but you just make money. Period. Right. <laughs> I think it's, I'm glad you said that because I had posted something today and um, just speaking to the beauty professionals, like, when was the last time you gave yourself a raise? Like, it's okay to do what you're skilled at and make a profit, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes I think we need that reminder. Because I don't know why it is in the beauty industry, especially amongst African-Americans, that this is a multi-billion dollar industry, but a lot of times we're not charging what we need to be charging to even have a six-figure business, let alone, let alone take it to millions or, or multiply it. You know, so it's, it's on so many levels, but I really think it's mindset, though. We really have to shift. I really wish there was a shift in that whole strong black woman movement to say that I'm strong enough to ask for help when I need it. I'm strong enough to make, you know, create jobs for other people and to build an empire and to do it legally and correctly. And so that I can provide and leave a legacy for my children's children. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It needs to be. And I don't understand, you know, 
why you know that's such an an issue because at the end of the day that should be a motivating factor <laughs> definitely yeah definitely yeah. i think it's just a mindset shift you know i think it's not something that's gonna happen overnight but we definitely Unless. need to shift our mindset for sure so let's talk about i know you have a course coming up soon so tell us about your course and what what is what can be expected from it and everything yeah the course is it's zero to beauty brand and everything you need to know to make your first $1,000 and in launching your brand. And it gives, you know, this is something that I've been working on for over a year. And I remember putting everything in there and then having people that were coaching me say, this is, this is a lot of information. And I remember just breaking it down to like four basic modules into a lot of the stuff that we talked about that people, the foundation. That's basically what it is. It's the foundation, what you need to know. And it, it basically is a course that I wish I had in 2003. And even though a lot of the information was not available in 2003, like I said, the problem now is that there's too much information and you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you should know. And so this course narrows everything down for you from, you know, it's again, cosmetic manufacturing, the difference between that and uh, hiring a chemist. And from, again, and it hones in on that power of one. If, if I nail down anything and, and the, the pros and cons of it. And uh, then the course goes into, you know, the financial aspect of a beauty brand. You know, how much money do you probably need to start? How much money should you have in reserve? What is gonna cost the most? People think that manufacturing costs the most, but packaging is actually mm-hmm. the most um, you know, expensive. So all of that goes into this course. And along with it, you get, um, depending on um, the version of, that you purchase as an upsell, there's, you have the opportunity to coach with me, the coaching. So if you really are in the depths of starting and launching this business, you can have me by your side and we can do this together. And um, even, you know, I, I, there's going to be uh, a group uh, Q&A session. There's going to be group ideation. Again, I don't think that the market is oversaturated. I think it's a, it calls for sophistication. So there's going to be a, a whole entire call on, okay, so what do you want to do? You want to do edge control? Okay, like what can, what, how is this edge control going to be different? You know, what's already out there. How can we make this sophisticated? You know, we're going to break this down. And, you know, have you thought of something else besides edge control? So if there is so, um, it's such a great opportunity for aspiring beauty entrepreneurs to have someone that they can bounce ideas off of, um, for someone that knows the ins and outs of the business. Because the thing is, yes, um, I dissolved my beauty brand, but I never left the industry. I'm still a member of Cosmetic Executive Women. I'm still a licensed esthetician. I'm still deeply uh, embedded in the industry. I'm still a product junkie. I still follow all the new brands that that are emerging and all of the indie brands. So I still have all of that knowledge. And I still, I do all of these, I'm on all of these calls every week um, with listening to founder stories. So I, I know I still get, uh, market trends and analysis. And I know that this is a, you know, 2020 has been rough. And I know a lot of people think, oh my God, is this the right time? You know, is does the lip- lipstick economy still stand? Um, people can't even wear lipstick now because they wear a mask. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe you need a mascara, who knows? Because you can only see the eyes. So there's right. so many, yeah, you know, there are so many routes that um, can be taken. And I just, um, I'm so excited to, um, you know, get these group of women into this, you know, this, this course into this, this coaching vehicle that, and I'm, I just want to be the, the source and the resource that I wasn't, or that I didn't have in 2003. And I'm, I'm excited to give them and empty out everything that I know. Like I'm not holding anything back. Um, and so, yeah, it is launching September 15th. And if they, uh, if anyone is interested, they should definitely download the Beauty Brand Blueprint on my website. 
at TawanaTolliver.com. It's in the Start Here tab. And that gives you the pre-foundation. And a lot of it is about mindset. I am heavily, heavily involved in I am too. <laughs> I am too. Well, kudos to you, Tawana, for you know creating this. I can already see that you're very passionate about the subject. And I know you're going to add some awesome value. And I'm definitely going to leave all the links and information to take advantage of the course and your website and all those things in the show notes. So I am going to ask you the final three questions that I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Yes. So tell us, Tawana, how do you define success? Oh, gosh. I define success with someone knowing when they should rest, the difference between knowing to rest and not quit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pause, but don't quit. Yes. And I, you know, I've learned that along the way as an entrepreneur, I can say that it definitely, I think you said it earlier, like it's not easy being an entrepreneur. It's an emotional roller coaster. And because you're on such an emotional roller coaster, you can be so connected to your business. Sometimes you do need to just pause and rest and, you know, but don't quit. So I think yeah. that's great. Yeah. And, you know, also when you, when you rest, that's when you get the most divine downloads. You can't, sometimes you can't get any kind of downloads when it's too much noise. Sometimes all of the ideas come and you just being quiet. So that's, you know, and knowing, knowing that is, is key. That's good. That's good. So what's either your favorite book or book you're currently reading right now? Oh, let's see. My favorite, I guess my favorite would be The Creative Habit by Twyla. I was pronounce her name more. Twyla Tharp. She's a, a dancer, um, classically trained. I think she's about like 80, 90 now. But um, I read this book every year. And um, as the only one of the few books that I have in hard, you know, hard copy, not on my Kindle. And she, she talks about creativity being a habit and creativity being rituals. And um, yeah, she, I, and it's been, I found the book a couple of years ago and I have, it's the book that has the most notes in it. And I recommend it um, highly for people who are creatives. I recommend it for people who want to start brands because yes, she's a dancer and she talks about her creative rituals with regards to um, building, you know, a dance routine. But there's so much that you can take out of it, especially the, the, the little exercises that she talks about. And I'm not talking about physical exercises. I'm talking about a lot of stuff for mental. Again, always going back to the mindset. And um, so it's one of my favorite, favorite books. Awesome. Awesome. So what's either your favorite tool or app that you use to operate in business? Oh, hmm. I would say Dubsado. It's my CRM. It is so user-friendly and um, it's what helped me create systems in my business. And uh, I highly, highly recommend it. The founders are amazing and so helpful. It's the best, they have the best customer service. Their onboarding process, like people could take lessons from them, the onboarding process alone. Just, you know, if you, they actually will schedule time with you to go over the software and how to use it and build templates for you inside of it like that is unheard of and it's so mm -hmm. affordable so it's um I, I if i can if i get rid of anything it would never be the side i always i can send you know everything is automated even my schedule when i send to my clients and it's been so instrumental in my business again something i did systems i didn't think about in 2003 <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's so important for me now to have systems in my business and the side helps me with that Awesome. Awesome. I'm familiar with that. It's been mentioned quite a few times on the podcast. Really? Yes. Oh, yes. Great song. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tawana. It's been absolutely great having you on the podcast. I really appreciate you. Tell everybody again how they can reach you and connect with you. Yes. So my website is TawanaTolliver.com. My name is T-W-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. <laughs> and Tolliver is T-O-L-I. We like Victor, E-R. And on there, you can link to my podcast, which is called Higher Than This. And, and uh, the podcast comes out every Friday, but 
is currently on hiatus and will be back after Labor Day. And it's a weekly and it's short and sweet podcast that talks about mindset every week. I just challenge a different uh, limiting belief and I flip it on its head. Um, and so, yeah, that's how you can reach me. And on Instagram, I'm at Tawana Tolliver on Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. Well, make sure you connect with her, everybody. Tawana Tolliver, as always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.